Hey, and welcome to another episode of Up The Vibe. And today I have the pleasure of having James Ian Doley on to discuss CE5 and UFO disclosure. James is the host of the YouTube channel, Engaging the Phenomenon, and has also played an influential role in the growth of CE5. I am also joined by James Rose, who has been influential in the growth of CE5 in the UK. Hi, James. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me on. Is it, is it okay if I call you Joe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Thanks. Um, I wonder if you could uh, start by introducing yourself a little bit and give us a brief overview of your background, in particular regarding any experiences you've had, uh, which may have been catalysts towards becoming interested in the UFO phenomenon. Yeah, for sure. So obviously everybody here knows my name is James and uh, I, I created Engaging the Phenomenon um, around 2018. Uh, but I, I got involved in the UFO subject um, much earlier on than that. Uh, I had uh, experiences when I was when I was very young. Um, but then, uh, you know, even even um, when I was young, I, I had what you can call metaphysical experiences, for lack of a better term. And because of those experiences, uh, I, I um, always had uh, like an open mind to uh, things regarding consciousness that, that, you know, at a younger age, I didn't call it, I didn't have that terminology for it, but things like out-of-body experiences and um, ESP, psychic phenomena, always uh, were interesting and intriguing to me because I had, again, certain experiences uh, revolving around that. So even in elementary school, I was picking up like UFO books in the library and I found them very interesting uh, because I, I, I had, when I was younger, you can say encounters with entities that um, at that time were, those experiences to me when I was younger were more a jarring, frightening, uh, just because I didn't know what was going on and have a framework okay. for it. But I, I didn't at that time, well, I was going to say, I didn't at that time attribute it to the UFO phenomenon. It wasn't until many years later when I saw that there may be some kind of correlation. But um, really when things picked up for me regarding UFOs um, was in 2007. And in 2007, I had a series of experiences over the course of a few months that were very profound and I could no longer be like a, a passive um, kind of interest as far as UFOs. That's when I had to, you know, quote unquote, engage the phenomenon and be directly involved. And at that point in 2007, I got directly involved with uh, getting online and, and the research communities and um, that's how I ended up finding the Disclosure Project and CE5 and getting very involved in that. Um, but if you want me, I can unpack some of that if you like. Yeah, I mean, um, it sounds like you've, you've had experiences um, growing up that have influenced that. And it's, uh, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to hear that it was quite jarring at the time. What, what, do, do you mean that um, the, the experiences themselves were quite jarring or would you say that afterwards you had this kind of jarring impact from them. Would you, would you say? Um, so kind of both, but I mean the, the experience itself, the, the younger ones again, because you're I'm yeah. literally <laughs> maybe five, six, or seven years old, and have uh, entities in my room that I had at nighttime, and I didn't know what they were, and I could hear their thinking, and that to me <laughs> again at that yeah. age. Uh, I didn't know what to make of it. I had no, nothing to correlate or connect it with. Possibly and ghosts yeah. or something, maybe. Would that be well, something you knew about? Again, so that, that's, yeah. that. as a younger kid, the only thing I could relate it to maybe was something like that. Um, I didn't have any kind of context to understand it. So the experience itself, um, I mean, the, the, the intelligence or the entities were not threatening in any way, but I just didn't, I didn't, you know, I'm a kid alone in my room and, and have this experience and, and, uh, I, you know, I didn't know what to make of it. So that's, it wasn't, um, again, it wasn't a threatening experience or an abduction experience or anything like that. It was just out of the ordinary. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, again, I didn't know what to make of it at that but age. But sort of over the years, you sort of pieced it together and, and here you are now being, you know, 
quite you know quite a lead inside the whole kind of C5 and the UFO disclosure. And um, so, how did you hear about uh, C5? I think you said um, to me privately that you've been you've been involved for about fifteen years. Is that right? Yeah. So I uh, I had a series of events in in two thousand seven that occurred. Um, I've done some videos on my YouTube channel discussing this, but uh, you know I I I can give you the, a short or long version if you like. <laughs> uh, do you want to hear that kind of sequence or? Um, yeah. Just, yeah, just keep going with the long version as much as you can, as much as you'd like to give, you know, I'd like to hear. Sure. So uh, this is in 2007 and at 2007, I'm 20 years old at this point in 2007. So uh, I had an interest in UFOs at, at this time um, already. Again, like I said, and even meditation and consciousness, I had already been meditating for uh, a few years now. That's something I just picked up on my own and made sense to me. It just was something that, I don't know, that, that clicked with me. But I was at um, work and I was working overnight shifts at that time. And one of the employees that I was working with, uh, very kind of, um, kind of very regular guy. Uh, he was not into anything like UFOs or consciousness. He was kind of a very um, stoic and skeptic, uh, as I learned in my conversations with him, but a very nice guy. So, uh, you know, one day on the, you know, in the morning before I left, because uh, I left that shift at 8 p.m., 8 a.m., 8 a.m. So before I left my shift, he, he said to me, hey, did you hear about the UFOs in Mexico? So I kind of thought that was weird that of all people that he would ever say anything about anything like that. So I said no, because I didn't. And I was like, that's kind of weird, but I just shrugged it off, finished my shift and, and started driving home, went home. And then when I got home, I went to sleep and I had this insane kind of uh, dream about, uh, you know, it was in the dream, I was in my old neighborhood driving and I, I, um, in, again, this is a dream. The UFO, there was a UFO just right above my car. And this is an old, my old neighborhood while I'm driving in, in my dream. And the, the, the UFO must have been like 15 or 20 feet above my car. And the UFO was actually bigger than my car. And it was like this electric um, orange. And there were all these electrical sensations. And I can, I can actually feel the electrical sensations in my dream. And again, this is a dream, so I'm very reactive, and I'm just trying to drive away from it. I'm like, oh my god, you know. <laughs> and uh, again, very reactive. It's a dream, and I can I just snapped awake. You know, like you kind of wake up from a dream. You're just like, whoa, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And somebody comes into my house. A family member comes into my house, and now it's it's about three thirty in the afternoon, and. They say, hey, did you hear about the UFOs in Mexico? And I was like, okay, screw this. This is just too much at this point that, you know, this, this person at my work said something. I had this just really bizarre dream. And, and now this family member said something to me about the, what, the, same, the same exact sentence. So, and was there so, something going on at the time with the, within the news about the UFOs in Mexico? Was that honestly, I, didn't, I didn't even look. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even look, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, it's bizarre. Uh, the synchronicity there just kind of felt. Well, right. Too... And there you go. The synchronicity. And again, I didn't even pick, pick up on that synchronicity aspect until really years later. And I mean, in the moment, I know this is like too much. This is kind of. Uh, overwhelming that you know these all the, this whole the whole sequence of events was more bizarre to me um well and then here let me go so after this the family member said to me um did you hear about the ufos in mexico i'm like okay screw this there's a chinese place down the street from me i'm gonna go in my car i'm gonna drive there and i'm gonna go just get chinese food wake up and then maybe go to the gym or something so I get in my car, and again, it's like 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, perfect, uh, clear sky, and it's, it's either sp spring or summer at this point, so it's like warm outside, clear sky, and I'm driving, and then I'm driving less than 200 feet of driving, and I look up 
in the sky and I just see a fireball, completely stationary. Um, and it was, it looked pretty large. So it was either very big or, or low. I tend to think that it was just lower um, in elevation. But, and as soon as I saw it, I thought to myself, you know, that's an F in UFO. <laughs> and as soon as I thought that, as soon as I thought that, it started to move because it was stationary. And I was like, holy crap. And that's really when everything hit me like a ton of bricks. I was um, very elated and excited and just like, again, I was just like smashed by this whole thing, trying to, like, I couldn't even at that point wrap my mind around it. I was still taking everything in. And I tried to chase this the, the UFO and it just... But this sounds like you were in quite a, a public areas and there were other people seeing it or do you think it was just an experience for you? I was in my car and I was trying to chase it. So I, I don't know if anybody else uh, ever saw it. Um, so the whole thing from when I saw it to trying to chase it probably lasted a few minutes um, until it just went out of the way. There was It was just a, literally a, 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 like a fireball um not even like uh like plasma balls like you see it was literally it was it had a different quality to it and again i tried to chase it and it eventually got out of sight because it got behind different objects and i no longer saw it and i just <laughs> went back home at that point i didn't even get the chinese food because i was so blown away and um so that that was the first kind of event yeah. in in a, in a sequence so that was the first thing. And I was, I was, I, you know, I was very affected by that, even that event. And again, I was already interested in UFOs. I was already practicing meditation. So, you know, can I ask what, on, on the, on the meditation side, were you doing like anything like binaural beats or was it, um, I, was, yeah, I, actually, I was doing anything and everything when I, so when I started in around 2007, I was doing primarily, um, so I, I really started with, with Chan and Zen, um, but the, uh, of like the Shaolin context. So Shaolin martial arts also includes uh, a, like a Taoist um, slant on Chan Buddhism. So, you know, generally in Chan or Zen, you're doing Shikantaza, just sitting. Um but in, in the Shaolin form, they include aspects of Taoism, which include almost like um, breathing exercises and energy exercises. So what you can almost consider a type of pranayama or, or even tantra because there's visualizations to it. So um, I started with that and somewhere shortly after, either, a I don't know, between maybe between six months and a year, I, I already started doing what people would consider Merkaba meditation um, that, that I actually found through uh, Dronvola Melchizedek's work in the Flower of Life stuff. This is, again, this is in 2007. This is a long time ago. So at that time, I was just looking into all the stuff and practicing all the stuff I had. Uh, you know, nowadays, I'd be less... Um, uh, you know, in, investing my time in different stuff like that, I guess, because it's, you know, some of that can be considered new agey. And I understand there's um, a kind of flowery aspect to those things. And, and some of them can take you on a ride in a sense where you're not getting down to the work. Um, not to speak down on any of it. All of it, I mean, again, I wouldn't be here without all that stuff. But um so anyways, I was at that point, I was doing um, a kind of chant. So I had a, a, a root in Buddhist meditation, but also it had aspects of Taoism to it. And, and again, the Merkaba stuff really at a very early um, time. This is in your 20s, stuff. isn't it? You said. I was 20 years old. Yeah, and yeah. at that time, I was really practicing for about two years um, of doing the meditation stuff. So um that, that was like the, the main kind of stuff I was doing. I wasn't into TM and mantras as much at that point, uh, which I did get into with uh, Dr. Stephen Greer's work. As people all know, he teaches uh, his version of transcendental meditation through his cosmic consciousness um, 
mantra meditation is essentially a form of uh, the city or advanced uh, TM practice. But um, so that, that one event to me was very profound. And I started looking more um, feverishly into UFOs and, and stuff on the internet. And, um, but even, even before I found um, Dr. Stephen Greer's work in C5, so just maybe two months after that, three months tops, um, I actually got into a car accident in the same, and I, I didn't know, I didn't put this together until, again, until years later, but I got into the car accident in like the exact same spot where I saw that, that first okay. UFO. That wasn't a near-death experience type thing, was it, or was it? Uh, it kind of was. Okay, yeah. so. Uh, I call it a trauma-induced OBE. Uh, during the experience, it felt like a near-death experience because I, I, I literally had the awareness to think, okay, mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm, this is it. And um, so I had this car accident and this profound um, experience that I would equate to a near-death experience. Obviously, it's, it's, it wasn't a true NDE, but... Um, it had a very profound effects in very sure. similar ways. And um, it's very similar in the way people describe it in, in certain contexts. So yeah. James, can I ask you? Yeah. In light of these experiences, I mean, one of the one of the theories that's emerging, obviously you know you're familiar with the work of Joseph Burks. Um, Joseph is is very set in his theory that that he believes it's entirely possible that people are selected. And then obviously you've got the 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 star seeds theory as well that people are actively selecting to live this life. Where do both of those theories, in light of your own experiences, sit with you? Okay, yeah. So that's um, I, I personally what I like to believe is that um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at that. I. I just have to say in all honesty that I don't know. I'd like to know, um, but I, I also like to think that it's, it's more, more of a choosing, right? I think that even on a very subconscious level, people have an inclination for these things to happen. Um, I, you know, of course, there's gonna be things where you hear people have negative experiences and, and what have you, um, or things just don't work out the way even if people are practicing meditation there's certain meditative experiences that are disturbing to people and the and the, the fallout from that isn't always um you know rainbows and butterflies so to speak so even even something like practicing meditation can have unstabling effects to one's life um and and just in the same way it's it's, it's possible with contact experiences that um, it doesn't go the way that you intend it to or, or what have you. So um, I'd say it's different for everybody. Personally, I think that somebody having these experiences, it's not random. Um, but as to how that process unfolds, I, is that karma? Is it, um, you know, uh, what people call like the, the kind of incarnation contract? There's all these different theories um, I, I mean, it, it would make sense to me that it would happen for a reason. So, yeah, I think I can relate to that. You know, my, my experience from when I first started, uh, really getting in, interested into the UFO topic that I felt I was getting eased into a lot of other topics as well at the right time for me to be able to take in this, uh, this new, this new paradigm, this other you know, world shattering stuff that, you know, that you can hear, you know, especially when talking about some of the, the deep state aspects and some of the other sides to, to the, to the story. And, uh, but when I, when I looked back at when I started to look in, look deeper down the rabbit hole, I found that it was, it was almost structured for me as a person, how, how quickly I could take it. I don't know if that, if you, if that's what you're relating to in terms of the sort of the karmic yeah, aspects. Well, yeah, and again, it's like almost like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, <laughs> you have people that, 
you know, you would think that if, if, if um, psychic perception is real um, or if UFOs were real or if near-death experiences are real and out-of-body experiences are real, that they would kind of be rare and only a small percentage of the population experiences them. Um, and and to some extent that, you know, it's not like everybody's having these experiences every single day, but uh, at the same time, it's, it's um, curious that it just so happens and this, the data that has been collected by the free organization, they're now CCRI, the Conscious Contact Research Institute with Ray Hernandez. Um, and, you know, Dr. Joseph Burks has contributed to their uh, books and their upcoming books. And that, you know, if somebody has a UFO sighting, it just so happens that they're actually more likely to have um, some kind of psychic experience or precognitive experience or even a near-death experience, which is highly bizarre in, in, in the kind of current materialistic paradigm. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what the data shows. Yeah. So um, there's, there's got to be something to that what we don't understand, whether it's a kind of quantum entanglement with something, if it's whether one of these experiences is kind of opening your awareness to those possibilities and therefore it's more likely to happen because you're aware of it. Um, I'm not sure, but that the data shows that if you have one of these experiences, you're more likely to have the others. So um, I, you know, again, I, I have a background a little bit in um, Eastern traditions and I appreciate some of their philosophies. So maybe the karmic aspect is one lens to look at it through, but there's certainly others. And again, like the, the soul contract, as people say, um, obviously I can't verify that, but uh, there's something interesting about that to me. Yeah. There's sort of like um, a hidden, but a perfect uh, structure to how consciousness is developing and, and expanding throughout everything, um, everything going on. There's a, there's, there's a hidden hand going on. It seems how, how it all unfolds. Um, but we don't know <laughs> don't know why it all seems random from 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 here <laughs> perhaps yeah 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 on some levels i mean but again it just so happens this uh you know even in in the eastern traditions when they're talking about the awakening experiences you know their literature is filled with um you know what we would consider psychic phenomenon and in interaction with non-human intelligence it's in all the you know the devas and it's in all the eastern literature you know and they say as you awaken you can awaken to these other realities as well yeah so definitely I, I think, yeah I, I think there's something to that and i think the the western sort of materialist view has been going in probably say the wrong direction but certainly needs to check its course i think and uh, be more mindful of of that those eastern traditions uh, as it expands you know in consciousness yeah, well, and it's funny because the Western, um, if we want to call it the Western traditions yeah. now, uh, science is only, I mean, the, the, the discoveries that are currently going on in science today are only, um, you know, kind of opening to these possibilities. You know, it's as, as our, our, our science and, and sensors and, and data increase, we, we see that the universe is um way more vast than we ever thought and that to me only opens up you know again the possibility for all these realities to exist uh you know 30 years ago we weren't talking about exoplanets like we are today now you know the james webb telescope is out there and i'm sure they're going to detect other goldilocks planets um and actually have you know, visual images of other planets that are similar to Earth in different ways, which we would associate with the capability of, of producing a life. So I, I think that, the, um, you know, Western science is only going to see more and more, you know, whether it's kick, they come kicking and screaming that, mm -hmm. you know, the potential for life out there is almost at this point um, inevitable. It's, it's inevitable that I think it's teeming um, with life out there. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're only going to discover that more and more. You know, not, you know, 30 years ago, if you said something about water on the moon or Mars, they'd say, oh, you're, 
you know, that makes no sense. Now we know, we know that there was, uh, you know, water on the moon and Mars, and there's a ton yeah. of data for it. And we are only finding more to confirm that they're talking about microbial life on Mars. And for some people that's, they need those little bits and they need those little stepping stones to, to come along for the ride, so to speak. And there's only more data that supports these ideas like extraterrestrial life and uh, even different dimensions. You know, that's the direction that science is going. And it's, it's fascinating to kind of be here and alive for this time because uh, it's all coming together. And, and what I often say about um, contact, especially, but, you know, even just UFOs is that, you know, UFOs with UFOs, it's like the UFO represents, um, you know, the meeting of physics and metaphysics because we have a, here a physical object that has been um, recorded and tracked on all different sensor systems around the world, doing things that we would consider metaphysical or paranormal, meaning extra or supernormal. You know, we, again, if we just wanna take the Tic Tac, the Nimitz event in 2004, for an example, you had an object from 80,000 feet elevation coming down to 20,000 feet elevation, in less than one second. And it was tracked on radar on the best, one of the best radars in the entire world and spy one that was recorded from the USS Nimitz. And not only that, then, um, you know, there was real tasks, uh, real world tasking, pilots went to engage with the object and they saw it doing possible things. Two pilots went on after that, saw the object and recorded it. So you have all this data looking at this object doing impossible things. And that's one example of hundreds that have been recorded even just by the US military um, of, of these objects doing the impossible. So that, what that's telling us is there's, there's more to physics than we currently understand because it's not like they're using magic. They, they're seemingly utilizing some kind of yeah. technology. Yeah just the technology we don't understand yet. exactly it's like going back to the caveman days and showing them an iphone you know <laughs> yeah exactly same context Absolutely. Yeah. so so that's where we're headed <laughs> you know oh of, of course yeah, I, I i sometimes you know it seems to be going slowly at times but i do know when i when i look around and seeing things explode around i, I know that it's going to go in one direction i know that we're not going to get to a point in the future where everyone is like ufos or crazy people you know the, the, the narrative is changing the mindset's changing i'm seeing it happen um and i just I, I can't wait for it to happen but at the same time i'm enjoying the journey so maybe maybe there's a good yeah. aspect to the fact that it is taking time and we're we're learning more and more you know year on year and getting getting to know more about what this universe offers it just it does seem endless <laughs> and we're only just yeah. scratching the surface right now it's James, can I can I ask you, because I'm sure there are going to be an awful lot of people listening to this in the UK that, that totally resonate with what you, you, you know, your, your journey and the things that happened to you. If knowing everything you do now, um, what would your advice be to people that are awakening at the moment or, or going through this evolutionary cycle where they've suddenly woken up to this, they've suddenly woken up to the consciousness stuff? And, and they're going to the, the, the start of this journey. What would your advice to them be? Uh, well, so uh, the, the awakening thing is, is, I think, particularly interesting. And I think really um, when during any kind of awakening, even if you're, you're involved in contact work, I think one of the most important things you can do is to ground yourself um, you know, in your life, in your practice, um, and be sure, I, I want to say, be sure, it's always good to have a discerning mind. So there's a lot of information out there, um, you know, some better than others, and we can't, we can't verify everything. So it's, it's good to determine what, what you know, what the evidence supports. And um, again, being grounded is, is very important, because when you're going through an awakening, it could be, um, you know unsettling and for, for some i think i can and, relate you know, to that you know uh, maybe you could elaborate on what you mean by grounding so uh, kind of having a 
I'm trying to think of the right terminologies to use. So again, for, to be grounded, I would say if you're practicing meditation, in your practice, it'll be important to differentiate between what you know for sure, what you know through direct experience, and what is the theory. Even if even if the theories are something that are attractive or that you you believe that this theory is probably true, it's good to 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 know to yourself. I think that's probably true. I can't prove it. I don't know it's true for sure, but I think that there's something to that. But uh, you know, I mean, so you have you have um, kind of center gravity um, this way. If, if X, Y, or Z turns out not to be true or evidence comes up where that rabbit hole didn't work out, you can't, you're still, you're not, you're not, you know, shaken by it because your foundation, you know, your foundation, you know, through your direct experience. So um, that's kind of what I would say for your grounding. You know, yeah, it's know it's what quite you hard know to and... explain, but I, I can definitely relate to it from my own experiences when hearing about some of the some of the stuff that's been going on in our history that's not not easy to listen to and I can definitely say that there are moments where I would feel a bit almost not out of body but kind of not grounded not part of this world I didn't know where where the, the ground was with, with regards to what my reality was just for short moments and it was quite quite unnerving so I had to practice and sort of settle and come back at, come back to myself and know that things were <laughs> things were going to be okay I guess as well but yeah, yeah. I can relate to that yeah, so that's kind of what I mean by that. Um, yeah, it's just to be grounded, basically. Very good, yeah. Um, I wonder if I could just uh, talk a little bit more on the sort of CE5 side of things and um, go through a, a little bit on your preferred ways to conduct the CE5 when you, you've been doing it for quite a while. So have you have you changed? Have you got, do you use the app at all that Stephen Greer has? Do you use a Puja? What, what sort of things do you do? Yeah, so I've... I've over the years kind of subtracted, 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 subtracted to the kind of bare minimum. And I, you know, I've experimented with all different types of CE5. And, you know, from when I first started CE5, I was doing like everything that's that CSETI recommended for CE5 field work. Um, you know, they do the the sound, light, and thought. So, you know they were recommending you use some kind of lights, maybe not lasers, it depends on your area. So I'm just saying this is a legal disclaimer, yeah. careful with the laser stuff, uh, although they do have their place. Um, you know, never shine a, a light at an object in the sky directly. <laughs> but um, again, so they're using light signaling, they're using the radios to broadcast tones and, and meditation, uh, Stephen Greer's coherent thought sequencing. and so when I first started, I was doing all that, like, on every day, basically. I was doing, I was doing all the, 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 the so-called CE5 protocols that were designed by CSETI. So over the years, though, you know, I've worked with all different groups, uh, especially with a group in upstate New York, and they did things, you know, they kind of had their very much own way of doing, and we would experiment with a lot of different things. Um, but so over time, I would find myself just trying to see what, you know, what would work. So nowadays, I literally, I, I what my CE5 nowadays is, is almost nothing like, um, you know, at least if it's a solo CE5, if you get together, get together with a group, it's nice to have, um, I don't want to say, you know, you have, the different things that you can do because the actually is actually a very good group building activity to build coherence. Uh, but if, if it's just me by myself, I'm literally just doing a meditation somewhere. And whether I'm inside or outside, if I'm inside, I'm doing a meditation inside and, and I'll do anywhere from, you know, 10 minutes to an hour to whatever, depending on my meditation routine. And, um, going through my own kind of CE5 process that does not include CTS or anything like that. And um, it's, I, I made a video called Meta Contact. And that actually describes what I do the most. And that, that version of 
you know, CE5 is literally all about uh, connecting. And, and it's a meta is, is a practice in, in Buddhism. Uh, it's called loving kindness, but it's also, um, you can call it well, well wishing. And let's not and, confuse it with meta that of uh, Facebook. <laughs> yeah, right. It's M E T T A. Okay, T T A. And, yeah. yeah. And it means loving kindness, but it can also mean in a Western context, well wishing. Um, but I kind of do something where I put myself in a state of um, well wishing and gratitude with the intention to connect with um, UFO intelligence, for lack of a better terminology. And to invite um, an experience or interaction. And I, you know, I'll do that whole process that I do. And that's all I do. I don't use lights or lasers. I don't use any tones or sounds because you don't, you don't need it. No. Um, do you have like an EMF machine or do you take videos or anything like that? Or I, you, you know what? I, I recently got a night vision and I haven't used it that much. Um, I got a psionics, but I'm going to start this year. I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, tutorials on my channel. So I'm going to be doing a lot of tutorials. Um, the equi equipment is, is really great too. Again, again, when you're in a group setting, but because of the, the whole uh, pandemic situation, I've been doing most of my work solo. I'm finally going to be doing more expeditions this year, but you know, when you, the equipment is great when you're with groups as well, just because there's a kind of framework to it and it's you know if i'm by myself i can literally just do anything um have you tried um, the uh, the modality the radio modality like of uh, you know, jimmy blanchett's and Mark's i have not tried that yet no i haven't tried that yet okay because I've, I've been trying that out and uh, actually been getting a bit of success in terms of sending out something and getting this sort of what, what you might think was interference but it's having heard them and what they're going through it's not there is something to it and then the, then the radio silent so you know get a lot of pulses coming back and then it's sort of silent for a while the radio so i'm gonna um be talking to jimmy a little bit as well in the future and trying to get his understanding because i think he's trying to de decode the signal a bit and get um hopefully something out of my own <laughs> uh, yeah yeah for me at this point, I find it interesting and I'm definitely open to trying it, but I see for me, a lot of the stuff with the equipment is adding room for error. Although, you know, it's like, you, know, it, you almost need some kind of documentation. Uh, again, if you're trying to present this work in a public yeah. setting and say, hey, look, there's something here that's been recorded that, that signifies contact. But for me, the only thing that's gonna really do it for somebody is is the actual experience and that that's why i actually got involved with ce5 to begin with um was because i, I realized after having um you know there's another experience i didn't get to describe but after having these experiences i i quickly realized that the only way that that people are going to get this is if they have the experience themselves you can show anybody the most i mean look the the the, the pentagon the United States government put out videos saying that these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Okay. Yeah. The Pentagon did that. The United States Navy recorded yeah. stuff on the best equipment they have and said, these are UFOs. We did the work. We did the due diligence. We don't know what these are. You still have a, a portion of, of the population who is not accepting that. They have a hardcore, um, you know, bias uh, and they're, it's just not clicking for them. They're like, yeah. oh, no, those are drones, or no, that's a plane just going on its side. It's like, no, the United, the Navy just told you they put their best men on it, best men and women on this issue. They, you know, based on all the data they were given, the most powerful military in the world is telling you they don't know what that those objects are. Uh, and it's still not clicking with people because it's just, it's a video. And, you know, I mean, the people who do the research and they look into uh, all the other supportive evidence in those cases, kind of most of them get it. But there's people that are just unwilling to look. They see the video and it could be a CE5 video or it could be this Nimitz video. And uh, for some people, are just, it's not going to click for most people unless they have the experience. Uh, so that's why I'm, I really appreciate CE5 and contact work. 
Because I think for you to really fundamentally understand the UFO reality and contact this, you have to have the experience. Because I can tell somebody, I can say, hey, you know what, uh, you know, UFOs are here and you can have contact. And they're like, okay, that's cool. But when somebody has that experience, they're like, holy shit, you know, because it clicks then. Yeah. And when I mean clicks, it's not just that they understand it's real. When they have the experience, they understand, holy shit, that this is real. And therefore, th there's so much to reality that I did not previously understand that's here. And it's yeah. here right now. And, and again, you, it doesn't click in, in, in Eastern traditions or in Buddhism, it would, you would call this insight, firsthand experience, um, wisdom, wisdom training. Um, so you, you don't have that insight really for most people until you have the experience where you're like, holy shit, this is real. And uh, therefore everything that I thought about the universe is completely undone basically. And for most people, that's that's not going to click without the experience. Definitely. It's um, such a profound thing as well. I, I wonder, and just going back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier in terms of um, a guiding hand that we're, we're not aware of, but it's influencing the whole, the shift in consciousness. And I wonder if um, there's a protective layer of their consciousness that's the sort of blocking their, their cognizance to go through the process of saying what, what this means for them, for, you know, for reality itself and that, they're not ready yet. So if, if you tell, say someone, say to someone, you know, have you seen the Pentagon video? And they say, uh, I don't believe it. You know, you just got to maybe allow them to, you know, <laughs> yeah. wake up in their own time because, uh, you know, not everyone's yeah. ready. Yeah, at the absolutely. Same time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I don't think that you should force this kind of reality on anybody. And, and, you know, maybe that's, and I, I don't want to be a proponent of, of any of this, but maybe that's the reason for the secrecy that, it was determined in 1947, at least in Roswell, they were like, people are not going to be ready for this. Again, maybe if the, if the government told them from the very beginning, we wouldn't be having these issues. We wouldn't have these problems. So it's like a catch 22. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the whole world could have lit on fire when they let this thing out, or it could have, we could have been in a different world. There's no way yeah. to know now. Um, but that being said, we're in the situation we're in now. There was a cover-up. People that are within that mechanism are are now um, kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Defecting from from that you know oath of secrecy or whatever you know the the um, like the official denial, and and now people are starting to come out of the woodwork one by one. It's one after the other. You know you have John Ramirez now, who's a former yeah. CIA. So for 25 years, guy's an experiencer. And, you know, he it's, you know, he's somebody who's coming out and trying to support disclosure and even contact. So yeah, his, that's, his recent that's interviews somebody... on UCR, when he talks about uh, reptilian bloodlines and Saurians and things like this, he, he realized that uh, um, these, I, I don't know, he, he must've been allowed to say that. So the, uh, the the, uh, the structure around keeping these people from not saying what they want to say is loosening to the extent that big he time. can say something like that. Yeah. Well, because I think I think what the big thing was, um, and and keep in mind when when Dr. Stephen Greer was doing the disclosure project, there were uh, attempts to interfere with what he was doing. There was uh, surveillance, and there were threats, and there were all that. Um, and we probably wouldn't be where we are today without Project Starlight, CSETI, and the Disclosure Project, you know. And um, and then again, same thing with to the Stars Academy, love them or hate them or whatever. We we wouldn't be in this current setting without all those things unfolding. And you know, keep in mind that uh, Tom DeLong was a, a student of Dr. Stephen Greer uh, in in several regards. You know, not only did he go out in the field with him and stay at his house and. Uh, did Dr. Greer expose this information to him and kind of the mecha mechanism of speaking to insiders and having them speak publicly, um, you know, so we wouldn't be where we are now without yeah. all that unfolding. I know, but there's, because, there's a lot of, um, you know, disagreement sometimes about, about Stephen Greer and Tom DeLong and all these people, but we've got to remember that they, they've offered, as you say, a huge service to, 
to this, right. uh, to this and, and and they're people but what they what they represent is, is something bigger than than just the individual um and you know because all that has been done and you know again people like dr edgar mitchell and uh leslie kane dr john mack who's a harvard professor put his neck out there to talk about experiencers almost lost his tenure and his job uh they tried to crucify him he won uh, the case, thanks to people like Daniel Sheehan. Mm -hmm. um, but th there's a lot more people defecting. And I, I think the reason for that is because they realized that this, uh, you know, mechanism of secrecy was self-perpetuated. And that if, if one person would step out of line, they'd, be, they'd get put in line real quick. But when this whole thing started coming apart, I think they realized the imaginary power, kind of like a Wizard of Oz effect, that you know these secret keepers had like i think people were very afraid to defect because they don't know what was going to happen to them but now as we see the whole thing becoming undone it's obvious that they do not have the power that they were um yeah. that people assume that they did because the thing's coming apart right now and it's not yeah. you know we had uh representative andre carson who's on the senate intelligence committee uh you know he's talking about this year open hearings on on uh, ufos and you know this is just um it's a huge development and i know people are going to say it's all part of some kind of disinformation campaign but uh there's there's a lot of reasons i don't think that's necessarily true uh no doubt if this information comes out they're going to try to manage it but i think what we're all going to find is that this is something that um you know once it's out of the bottle it's not there's no managing it um yeah. I think to some extent there will be a narrative that they're going to use as the go-to and they're going to repeat and repeat and repeat and hope people um, kind of fall in line with. But I, I think that we're going to have a lot more people coming forward and, and sharing uh, their information and, and their truth. And that's why I think it's imperative that, you know, people do contact work and, and CE5 if they're so inclined to. Because, you know, forget the, the middleman, just go straight to the source and, and have the contact for yourself and make up your own mind of what you think, um, the, you know, is behind the UFO phenomenon rather than, you know, taking the word of, you know, whoever it is, uh, you know, the powers that be, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what do you think uh, your predictions are moving forward for how long this, this paradigm shift is, is going to take um, and how it, how it will manifest? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I don't think anything's kind of set in stone, but it's clear that we're on a trajectory of some kind of, um, you know, I hate to use the word, but disclosure, uh, you know, people are, are saying it's soft disclosure, <laughs> lowercase d or uppercase d. <laughs> right. So <laughs> we're, we're clearly on a trajectory of some kind of disclosure and, um, you know, I don't see it stopping at this point. I don't think at, at, at this point in time that it can be, um, you know, stopped basically. So, you know, there's, there's, a, so there's different parts of this, right? There's the, the kind of human aspect of it. And then there's the, the UFO phenomenon, or, you know, if you want to attribute the UFO to phenomenon to extraterrestrial intelligence or inter interdimensionals or what have you, all the above. Yeah. I just that's why I like to use the term the phenomenon exactly yeah um, I and I think that we're dealing with several different intelligences I don't think we're just dealing with um say extraterrestrial intelligence from different planets I think that there's more at play than just that um and then again once you acknowledge the, the UFO reality there's other people having different experiences um that aren't again attributable especially to to extraterrestrial intelligence coming here in crafts so it, the that kind of disclosure is going to open up a whole other kind of thing right so yeah. um but so, there's also the account of the phenomenon right how is the phenomenon going to respond uh to these developments is the phenomenon at this point um going to be more responsive to CE5 field workers is, is because of what's going on on a collective level on the planet right now with more people being open and accepting to UFOs being real. Does that mean we're going to have another mass sighting? Does that mean that we're going to have more 
interactions in CE5 teams? Does that mean that the phenomenon is going to possibly let CE5 workers record better data to present to the public because they know that it's not going to be too hard for anybody to take. It's where we're, you know, coming to an environment where this is more accepting. You know, so there's all these questions I have really. Um, I think it goes hand in hand as in the more people wake up to the possibility, the more that the veil is lifted and the more sightings you see. So the more people get this kind of like, it plays it plays on each other so you know you get more sightings you get more and the veil lifts even further so yeah i think it's a self-fulfilling uh, train as it steamrolls forward yeah i think so and and think about it you know even um what james was uh saying before um you know 20 years ago or even let's just say when i when i started the first ce5 groups on facebook it started i had like 200 people on there and most most of those people were were uh working group coordinators um, and shortly after, um, you know, so that, that was like 200 people and then slowly became a thousand and slowly became 2000. And then really after Sirius came out, the film Sirius, uh, you know, for better or worse, but there's some, a lot of controversy with that film and I understand why, but after that film came out, the, the, the number of people who were aware of CE5 and contact work uh was just way more it's a tremendous leap um and now just just in the ce5 initiative facebook group there's almost forty thousand people but really really you know the film unacknowledged was seen by almost a billion people and you know i got to give credit where it's due dr greer did a tremendous job in and and exposing the reality on on contact he really um in, in my opinion, uh, has done the, the biggest job of that with the CE5 initiative and with these films. So when Unacknowledged came out, it was another tidal wave of people finding about, about CE5, even though in that film, it was there was only a small section focused on CE5. But then again, the CE5 film came out and it, it was just another massive tidal wave. And I'd say a quantum shift in, in the awareness on this planet of CE5 and contact and contact work. So we're, we're in a place now where hundreds of thousands to possibly getting close to a million or even in the millions of people are aware of CE5 and that just this planting the seed of that idea that contact can happen is, is a game changer. And, yeah. and we're only at the beginning of it. Sure. In five, you know, in five years from now, many millions of more people will have seen that films. Many more, you know, thousands and millions of people will will come across your podcast, my the work I'm doing, Joseph Burke's work, you know, the, you know, CE5 UK, the CE5 initiative. There, millions of more people are going to come across this information in the next few years, especially as this. You know, even if you could consider it a soft disclosure, even if it is a soft disclosure, more people are accepting to the, the UFO reality and in turn are going to go looking and they're going to find stuff like CE5. Not all of them, but some of them are going to be interested enough and have that calling to say, oh, my God, you can do contact. And again, not everyone, but people are some people are going to have that calling to get involved with the work. And I think that's going to create a, a, a massive shift in how um, this kind of stuff goes down. Yeah. And of course, in conjunction with that, we've also got um, things like the Galileo project from Avi Loeb, Loeb yeah. and also UAPX, uh, all the things going on um, with the DNI report that came out and all this, all the stuff that went on with the uh, the Gillibrand amendment, all, all that. So there's there's so many things going on right now. Where, where do you think it's um, going to change? Is it going to change from more from the projection of these people doing CE five? and the general people, or is it going to come from sort of private institutions and their work like the Galileo project? Do you think which one's going to be sort of leading the, leading the way more? No, I think it's a cumulative. So I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the different pieces are, are greater or, you know, the sum is greater than the, the whole of its parts kind of thing. I think that everything together um, is going to create something brand new. 
that kind of idea. Um, because again it's, again, it's this thing that feeds off each other. There's this positive feedback loop. Um, because you have somebody like Avi Loeb, who's a Harvard astronomer, and because the people that are signing on with him and supporting his cause, it's giving other people in academia and you know, not even just the, 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 the other professors, but the students and the people that are influenced by those institutions, they're being given permission to look in those directions. And again, if it's just the planting of the seed of that in the, in the conscious and the collective awareness is tremendous. Um, you know, so it's, it's all of it. You know, the, I think that there's kind of the different levels to it. I think the contact work is, is fundamental if there's a phenomenon here that's interacting with humanity, why wouldn't you want to directly kind of engage with it? Um, and because that's the most direct route, right? Um, but also there, there's, again, you have the Gillibrand Amendment and, and in that amendment, they're, they're, I mean, they're talking about looking at retrieved technologies. They're basically telling you, they're talking about crash retrievals. Um, you know, and again, that's very controversial because people don't want um, governments to take that technology and weaponize it. Um, I think that's something that is almost inevitable. And it, that's, I don't think we're at the level of the conversation now where, again, it's on a political stage to where, you know, b before you can get into those kind of conversations, you have to admit that, you know, non-human technology is in the possession of these governments and you shouldn't, therefore you shouldn't weaponize it because that we could yeah. do bad things. With it. So we're not even up to that level in the public conversation. Uh, but I think all these different fronts are, are equally important. I don't, and I, I don't think we should say, uh, you know, this is the CE5 stuff and this is more important than um, the, the kind of Avi Loeb Galileo project stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. I think these are all equal fronts that should be pursued and it's up to us to kind of get along together and share information with each other and uh, respect each other in this field, you know, in, in the contact field, in the UFO field and find ways to work together. Because I had somebody who was an affiliate of the Galileo project reach out to me about somehow utilizing CE5 to possibly get something that Galileo could track then. Um, but they, they, weren't a, they weren't like one of the main members of the project. They were an affiliate academic. But so these things can have a way to work together. And I think it's, it's important for us to, you know, especially, uh, you know, if you're a CE5er, if you're on a contact group, you should be respectful of UFO researchers and, and vice versa, that you know, the UFO researchers should be respectful of the CE5ers or people all doing contact work. Because um, the, the best result is going to be when we work together. So I think, yeah. uh, as all these fronts being equally important, you know, it's, it's only going to be optimized if the units within it are, are cooperating. And then the funny thing about uh, CE5, from my experience, is that you get this um, idea that it's going to be about doing a meditation, doing your coherent thought sequencing, and then seeing visuals. But when I've done field events, I've found that it's, that's only a part of it. It's all about getting together with like-minded people, discussing fascinating topics, learning about meditation, engaging on spiritual concepts. And that the whole, there's a whole package there around, the, around, around CE5 that as, as part of it, also you might get contact it's it's much bigger than that and it's about also yeah. getting people to be more um aware of of the differences of opinions but knowing that for for this for humanity to step forward into the next stage we have to get along we have to put aside put aside a lot of our divisions whether it's right versus left whether it's backs anti-vax whether it's you know uh, this that and the other it, it's all about coming together and uh, raising our consciousness because that is uh, and that's why i've called this up the vibe in a way is to uh from from my perspective it's we, we we're not going to get anywhere as, a, as, a, as humanity unless we raise our frequency and become more 
more in unity um and then once we do yeah the the the, the, there's, the, the world's the what's he call it the, the world's endless it's it's limitless yeah 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 and i think it's important that um you know people realize those kind of things because again the kind of like awakening of consciousness even you know c seti's main phrase if you want to call it was one universe one people um so i think the idea you know stephen greer had called some of this you know ambassador to the universe um you know but we have to be an ambassador to each other basically mm-hmm. first before yeah. we can even attempt to kind of really find our place in the universe you know how can you find your place in the world if you don't know who you are kind of thing so i i I and that's part of the kind of grounding aspect i would say as well so you know knowing yourself um but you know being an ambassador i think that again what you're saying you know the, the the human collective i mean that's one of the biggest parts of the work you know what good is you know you're having these contact experiences but if you you can't share it with anybody it's just you having these experiences and it's it's not as i guess meaningful if there's not that level of cooperation on a on a broader scale mm-hmm. um and 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 part of that cooperation is is being tolerant and accepting of others you know even if, if people disagree with you um you know and i think we've come a long way too even with ce5 i remember when I was first getting involved with this, I'd have to explain to UFO researchers what CE5 was. They'd say, what's, <laughs> you know, I'd say something about CE5 on one of the UFO Facebook groups and they say, oh, what's CE5? And I have to sit there and type it out and explain to them or send them a video link or whatever it is. And, um, but we're, we're now in a place where, especially with, with the younger generation of researchers, um, there's a lot of, uh, young blood in in the game if i could use that terminology from uh grant cameron but you know there's a lot of younger researchers really going at this head on now and i i think the majority of like the content creators now are are this new crowd of of ufo researchers some that only just got involved you know amidst the seven the 2017 a tip you know new york times piece when they got involved and I, I find that a lot of these newer researchers are way more understanding of the consciousness aspect of it. Yeah, uh, sure. cer- yeah certainly not all of them, but there's a great deal more people. Uh, when you say CE5, they're like, yeah, I get how that makes sense. You know, whereas again, even 10 years ago, that was not the vibe. So I, th- I think the majority of people are getting there. And we're at a place now where the, the conversation on UFOs and consciousness and contact and CE5 is maturing. So we need to nurture that and, um, you know, keep, keep that going, I think. Definitely. Um, I think there's uh, a lot, of, lot, to, lot to be said for getting ex- experiences and the scientific community together. It's incredible they haven't been as connected in the past. And I think that will be where... The sort of well, connection between consciousness and and science will will break through. So that work has been happening, but it's been happening in secret, uh, and it's been happening in secret because of all the ridicule. You know, there's there's people like uh, Dr. Gary Nolan, who I, I did an article with in 2018, and uh, you know he's he's been in videos recently, and he, you know, him and and some other people in um, that are, have been studying this kind of behind the scenes you know these people have a i mean they get it they have been looking at this for years they get the whole consciousness thing but now you know the Gillibrand amendment and these other developments are allowing them to be more public with their work and in that turn recruit other academics and other sciences yeah so the the, the some of the data is already there and some of the data is beginning stigma. to be there just a stigma right. that's been getting in the that way yeah the, that was the biggest thing and now that that's dissolving so many different things are going on in all these different directions all at once and it's we're <laughs> you know if you're if you're not accepting of, of of ufos you're in for a rude awakening and uh there's people like uh 
Joseph here and myself and 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 James that will be here for you guys <laughs> because it's there's no there's no going back now and again we're, we're we have the this scientific approach to the UFO phenomenon now going on and again even when when the story broke in 2017 people kind of didn't know what to make of it they kind of didn't want to touch it now you have people like Eric Weinstein just going all out on Twitter and, and and all these other social media platforms talking about this, saying like, we need to get to the bottom of this. Why is this not like the most important thing going on? Yeah. Um, I think and, I saw the light bulb go off in his head not that long ago. Yeah. When it, yeah. It was like, Oh my goodness. What have I been missing it, out on? <laughs> it's And it's incredible to see. So, and I think again, that's, that's really the direction we're headed to. And even this year, um, you know, people that have been working on this on the inside that this year is going to be really big. Um, and I, there's going to be more people from the inside coming forward, therefore more scientists getting involved. Um, so, you know, that the scientific paradigm in UFOs, like we're at the, we're at the very beginning. And again, you had uh, deep Prasad was on um, uh, that guy, uh, Jesse Michaels, YouTube channel. Um, and, you know, he's talking about the, the, the relation between UFOs and uh, quantum mechanics and quantum physics and, and, and technology and quantum computing and how you can use these different avenues to explore the UFO phenomenon. And these different people are already kind of setting themselves up to go you know, full at the subject um, from those paradigms. And again, you know, Jacques Vallée, uh, had been studying the materials. So the materials, the consciousness, you know, people like Dr. Diana Pasolka, who was looking at the religious implications. Um, th there's really so much going on and that the scientific investigation into UFOs is, is about to hit the, the forefront in the public. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's a very, a very positive note. I think we can uh, end on that. And um, thank you very much for your time, uh, James. It's been a pleasure talking to you and we've talked quite a few subjects there so hope we can do this again one day yeah for sure for sure i I'd definitely uh be open to coming on again there's there's always a, a lot of important things to discuss when it comes to this topic you know so i i encourage everybody to you know continue on their journey keep an open mind uh more importantly uh, an open heart be compassionate to others even if they might disagree with you um you know and be willing to consider things and uh, again thank you so much for for having me on oh it's been a been a pleasure thank you so much